0: Mac Power Users, Episode 238, The Magic 20, 10 apps and 10 utilities for your Mac. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David.
1: Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. I'm happy to see you or talk to you today.
1: Yeah, I know I get I get like the um, I get withdrawals if I don't podcast often enough.
0: I know. I, I understand. It's it's one of the highlights of my week, every week. And I'm particularly ta- uh, excited about this episode of Mac Power Users because it's one we've been thinking about for a while. And I can't tell you how many emails I get from our listeners or from people maybe who have just found our show who say, you know, I've, I'm relatively new to the Mac. Is there anywhere that I can go to figure out what your recommendations are for apps that I should install or, or what's the list of, of stuff I should be using? On the Mac, and you know, kind of at at this point, I don't have a great answer other than to say, well, you could go back and listen to our entire back catalog of two hundred and thirty seven episodes, which I think is a great answer.
1: Yeah, totally. But just quit your job. Quit. Yeah. You know, just
0: just start now.
1: Get a lot of top ramen. <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, and we'll it. see you in
0: about a year or so. Yeah, but short short of doing that, um, the purpose of this episode is kind of for us to talk about. 10 apps and 10 utilities that we think every Mac power user listener should have installed on their Mac or at least consider installing on their Mac and and talk a little bit about why.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. Now, for those veteran listeners, I think we've got a few things in here that may surprise you too. So don't don't just turn me off now. Yeah. Especially especially in the utility section, I've got some good stuff in there. But uh but 10 of these apps, I'm sure some of them we've done entire shows on but not all of them. And uh, we thought it would be fun to go through. What are the 10 apps you're going to install on your Mac? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of these, a full disclosure, have been or are sponsors of the show. Uh, we actually talked about removing them because they've been sponsors and we realized that would be punishing them. And frankly, not giving the um, listeners the apps that we think are the best for the Mac. So, So we put them in. So there you have it. There you go. And you
0: know know what? That's the great thing about Mac Power User Sponsors is that they make apps that we really like and use. So, you know, there you go.
1: And also, like everything else we do, if you don't think we hit the right ones, we have a live show and we like to play audio comments or we'll read your, your emails you send in. If you think we got it wrong on some of these, let us know that too. Uh, Yeah, you
0: can send um, those audio comments to us, uh, send them as an attachment, like an MP3 or an M4A or whatever, to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. That live show is coming up next week.
1: And if you also want to uh, just get it to us through Twitter, you just write a little Twitter note. And what's the hashtag, Katie?
0: Ask MPU.
1: Yeah, just put it. Hashtag and it'll get to us. So go. got lots of ways to get that information to us. Uh, so without further ado, I think we should start with our apps. Now, these are not in, we're going to, we've got them listed as 10, but we haven't put them in any sort of order.
0: No. All right. So number one, but not necessarily number one, I think I had to start with some kind of syncing solution here. Uh, Dropbox would certainly be one um, because it's the foundation for so many other apps. So many other apps use Dropbox as a foundation to make them work. You know, your one password database can sync through Dropbox. Your text expander database can sync through Dropbox. Lots of your text related apps sync their information with iOS through Dropbox. And there's just, you know, Dropbox is such a great app for sharing information back and forth with people. You know, we've got so many Mac Power user workflows that are dependent upon Dropbox. You know, when, when I'm done with this episode, um, the, the, the Skype recording will actually go up through Dropbox to JT, who does all of our, our show notes for these types of episodes. Um, and that'll happen automatically with Hazel, which is another app that we'll talk about later, uh, because we have a shared Dropbox folder. Um, and so I think you've got to have some kind of syncing solution app on your Mac and Dropbox is just the foundation for all of that. And kind of a little bonus with Dropbox, although I wouldn't put Dropbox in the category of being, you know, a backup, but anything that you've got in that Dropbox folder is going to get automatically synchronized to the cloud, which means if something happens to your local copy, you do have a limited time window to be able to go and restore it from the web app. You know, go to dropbox.com, log in and be able to retrieve it from the web app. So, you know, I tell people, you know, especially if you're going back to school, I've mentioned this to some of my student friends who I've met the past couple of uh, months. You know, instead of saving, you know, your outlines and your information for your classes just on a folder on your hard drive or just on your desktop, why don't you create a Dropbox folder and save that information in there? And then every time you save, you know that it's being synced up.
1: Yeah. So if the computer disappears, you know, from the coffee shop, uh, the data is still stored up in the Dropbox cloud. Now, I would put there's even though we're saying 10 apps, this one is I would kind of call the cloud storage uh, space. Dropbox or Transporter or both. I I do both because there's some stuff I have that I I can't put on Dropbox. It's too public. Whereas Transporter, I control the cloud. You know, in essence, it's on a drive at my house. But that's one of the very first things I install on a new Mac because I get Dropbox and Transporter installed. And then I start immediately syncing my data over. And, you know, in this modern day where you can go in the app store and download a bunch of your apps and then connect the pipes to Dropbox and Transporter, It's amazing how fast you can set up a new Mac with so much of your data. You just turn it on and and go to bed. And the next morning you wake up and it's loaded up with just about everything you need.
0: Right. And both Dropbox and Transporter work very similarly. Obviously, Dropbox, your information is going up to their storage space, to their cloud. So you have to be wary of, is that something that you're okay with? You know, it does have a service fee attached to it. I think you get two gigabytes for free, plus the option to get some additional free space You know, if you participate in their promotions or if you refer friends, Um, Transporter, the the model is basically you pay for it once and then you bring your own hard drive type thing. Um, But one of the things that I think these services have caught on so well is because it's a folder. You know, unlike iCloud, where nobody can quite explain to you how iCloud works, although they have made it a little bit better with iCloud Drive and Yosemite um, and iOS 8, Dropbox and Transporter is a folder that sits on your Mac or your Windows machine, whatever. But it's a folder that you stick stuff in. And it's like, all right, if I put stuff in this folder, this folder is going to sync and this folder is shared with David and this folder is shared with JT and this folder is shared with my mom and this folder is shared with this other person. And that's where all of these things are going to go. And I think it's a very easy concept to wrap your head around, you know, the folder concept as opposed to this nebulous, where exactly are these things going shared within the apps? I'm not exactly clear.
1: Okay, so while we're on the topic of Dropbox and Transporter, and let's talk about one power tip from each of us for using these services. Um, I would go first with Transporter, and I know uh, some people are going to groan when I say this, but buy two of them. Yeah, it's just having two of them makes such a big difference. A Transporter, I've got one installed offsite with a family member, and it just gives me a way from my desktop at any time or my laptop. To take any bit of data I want and store it on site and off site with one click, I don't have to get in my car. I don't have to drive over there. I don't have to do that swappy thing I used to do with multiple hard drives. It's just over there. Uh, they've got a, a, an another power tip for transporters. You can turn off the hey, lights. Hey,
0: you said only one. Okay, sorry. Okay, but go ahead. You cheated and gave.
1: You, tip. you can turn off the lights. You know, it's got these cool lights around it. Kind of, you know. It looks kind of sci- sci-fi, you know, that lights up and the lights will light up to tell you the status of the device. But if you put it in somebody else's house, you don't want to light up, you know, their house. Yeah, so. I, I,
0: I made that mistake. So I, I put a transporter. I've got one here at my house. And then I put another one in my parents' house. And I didn't really tell them. I just put it I put it in my old bedroom at their house because I thought it's my bedroom, right? I can put a transporter in the house.
1: It's not your bedroom anymore, Katie. Sorry. It's not
0: my bedroom anymore. It's the guest bedroom. And so I plugged the transporter into the guest bedroom, and I didn't turn off the lights. And my parents don't have guests that often, so I didn't really think about it. But they—they they had our friend Lee over, and I guess Lee got woken up in the middle of the night, like at 2 a.m., by this light show by my transporter. And my dad was calling me the next morning. He's like, "What have you got in the closet?" It's making on. And I was dad, like, "Oh,
1: never mind the plutonium, so- <laughs> Dad. Just never mind."
0: Sorry about that. Let me let me let me turn this off for you.
1: And, and it's kind of cool that you can turn those off remotely as well. You don't need to be, it's not, a, it's not like a physical switch on a device. It's, it's in software. You can do it from your menu bar. Yeah. So and I guess that's another option is if you want to mess with them, you can just turn them on once in a while.
0: The, yeah. And if, anytime they have guests, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn them on full bore Yeah. and do that. Um, so since you picked a transporter tip, I'll, I'll pick a Dropbox tip and, um, I'll tell you what I used to do and then I'll tell you what I do now because people talk to me all the time about how can I sync my documents folder with Dropbox and there are a couple of ways that you can do that and the way that I used to do it and it still works is you can create a symbolic link and there's a terminal command that will let you do it or there's also um uh, just a method, you you can go find an app on the, on, you know, go to Mac update. There are lots of little apps or Apple scripts that will do this for you that will create a symbolic link of a folder. And you can put a symbolic link of, of your, um, of your documents folder in your Dropbox. And that will keep um, your, your documents folder, anything you put in your Dropbox, excuse me, in your documents folder on your Mac will then get replicated or it will be mirrored actually in your Dropbox without having to have two copies of everything in there. That's option one. Uh, Option two, the other thing that you could do uh, is just don't use the documents folder on your Mac for your actual documents. Just make, you know, kind of replicate the folder structure of your documents folder and move it over to your Dropbox.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that that Katie is right that it's a great kind of like in a jam backup, but it's not really backup. So don't go away thinking that's all you need. Right. Um, uh, okay. Well, I think we covered the first uh, cloud storage. That's the first thing you got to cover. Um, okay. l- let's talk about um, one of our favorites. It's a long time app we've talked about. It. We did two shows on this app and it's Hazel. Okay. Uh, Hazel solves a problem that a lot of people probably don't realize they have. And it's, you know, cleaning up on your Mac and taking care of file management. Uh, That's the the key thing Hazel does. And so let's say you've got a file on your desktop and it's been sitting there for two weeks. Like maybe it's a DMG file, you know, it's an installation of a new application and you just didn't get around to throwing it away and you don't like, you know, manually doing that. Well, Hazel is an application that will look at any folder on your Mac, including the desktop, which is kind of a folder when you break it down. And apply rules to any files it it puts in there. So you could set up a rule that says, uh, "Look at my desktop, and if there's any file that's a that's a disk image file (DMG) and it's over 10 days old, uh, throw it in the trash, or move it to a file, you know, disk image folder in my on my drovo or you know, whatever you want to do with this file." And that's what Hazel does. It just sits there and it looks at it and. The application has been developed actively for many years. The developer, it's one of these little developers, one guy making this awesome app. And it gives regular users power that they normally wouldn't have. I mean, before you would have to write an Apple script and do all this really complicated stuff. But Hazel is kind of like drag and drop rules. And you say, look at the file. If it's got this on it, then do that. And just as an example i I have a big trial i 've been preparing for, as I keep you know moaning about on the show lately um, and I had a folder with a bunch of images, and some of which I was going to use as exhibits. And what I did was I, as I went through the folder and there were just hundreds of, fo- of photos in here and I knew I wanted to get some, but I didn't want to be dragging and doing all the weird stuff while you're going through the folder. I just wanted to go through and look and I would just go through and I would tag them with a green tag as I went through, if I decided I was going to use it. Once I was done, I made a quick little hazel rule that grabbed all the, all the pictures with a green tag on it, renamed them in a, in a format that I would need to use them as an exhibit, moved them into an exhibit folder and then, you know, copied them to, to um, my transporter. So it's like all that stuff just happened automatically because of Hazel. And there's people listening to the show that have already bought Hazel and they totally get it. But I know, I know this in my guts. There's a lot of people out there that have been hearing us talking about it Who said, you know, I'll get to that someday. And this is the day for you. You need to go try it. And I, I get at least twice a week, I get an email from somebody who says, oh, I finally get it. I tried Hazel. How come I didn't do this years ago? Thank you.
0: Yeah. Hazel is my go-to app for every every time I have like a little problem and I I think there's got to be an easier way to do this, or I find myself doing the same thing over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, Hazel's like one of the first things, and there are a couple other apps that we'll talk about later, but Hazel's the first one that I go to thinking, Hazel probably can solve this problem for me because a lot of it is, you know, moving files and, into other folders or getting rid of files that are old and expired or cleaning things off of my Mac. And, and it Hazel is great with file management. I mean, that's that was the original idea for Hazel, but it is absolutely essential to my paperless workflow. And I know you talked about Hazel in your paperless book, and I've talked about Hazel a lot in the paperless workflow, but the, one of the biggest things I have Hazel do, I probably have more rules for Hazel Uh, than any other place is in my scans folder and in my downloads folder. So Hazel watches whenever I download a statement or whenever I scan a statement in, and some of those are duplicate roles. So here's a a tip you can, you can duplicate rules from, from Hazel, Um, and and it looks for certain things within those scanned images or within those downloaded images to realize, okay, hey, this is Katie's utility bill, or this is Katie's insurance statement, or uh, this is from the uh, local Firestone where Katie got her oil changed and serviced. And Hazel knows what those are. It finds the date. The date match has been awesome with Hazel. That was a new feature I think they released in version 3.0. It finds it, it names it, it dates it, and it files it where it's supposed to go. In my case, I have it file into Evernote. Um, in your case, I know you send it to a, a folder that you keep synced up in Dropbox, but it's just amazing.
1: Yeah. And there's a bunch of screencasts on this in that paperless book if you if you want some help with it. But But go try Hazel because I think you're going to really love it. And we've done a couple shows on it when I think it came out version three. Well, I don't know. You know, I lose track of time, but I think it's been about a year since we published the last show on Hazel. But it's, it's something really worth trying. Um, OK, so power tip on Hazel. And this is one a lot of people because we've talked about, you know, the big thing Hazel does is it monitors folders and moves and, and manages files so you don't have to. But the other thing it does, a lot of people don't realize if you go into the Hazel preference pane, there is a there's a pane called Trash. And in that, there's a couple settings that a lot of people don't set up and they're not set up by default. So the first one is you can have it automatically empty your trash for you and you can do that based on time or size. So you can say whenever my trash gets up to one gigabyte or keep it down to one gigabyte, for instance, so anything over one gigabyte, just don't empty my trash. Uh, or you can say any files that sit in the trash for more than a week or two weeks or one month or whatever you decide, uh, just throw those away. And that's a nice way to manage your trash can. Another thing Hazel has is um, a feature. You, you remember there used to be an app a long time ago called App Zapper.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Everybody would buy it. It was like five bucks, and when you would delete it, you would delete an app with App Zapper. And it would go and find all the little system, you know, files and breadcrumbs that the app would leave all over your system. So it would kind of cleanly delete a file, uh, an application. Well, Hazel has this built in. They call it App Sweep. So when an application is thrown away, AppSweep will uninstall the application by throwing away the application support files for you. So you can do that. It even has a setting for multi-user app sweep. So if you throw it away, it'll throw away for all the users on the Mac. And those things just come for free with Hazel. So you know, if you get Hazel, go ahead and enable some of that stuff too.
0: You can't limit yourself to one tip, can you? You just snuck another one right in there.
1: Did I? I you thought did. That, I you did. considered that pain one tip.
0: Oh, was that okay. bad? Okay, I got I'm you. I'm sorry. All right, so here's here's my you go Hazel first t- next time. So I will I don't go first steal. next time. Yeah. Okay, but then you'll just keep going with the tips for the rest of the episode. Oh, there's hello it's Siri. All good.
1: Yeah, I don't know what happened. I didn't hello, say anything. Hello, Siri. There you go. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> all
0: Stop. right. So so here's my Hazel tip. We'll we'll get a lot of emails from MacPower users listeners saying, um I'm I'm working on a Hazel workflow. I just can't quite figure it out. Here's here's my situation. This is what I'm trying to do. Um and, and I I love getting those emails cuz it, it 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 gives me ideas for all those ingenious things that you're trying to do with Hazel, but at the same time I I just don't have time usually to to try to figure out, you know, why Hazel isn't working for you in that particular situation or or what to do better. So here's a better way to do um to figure out, you know, how to do something with Hazel. Go check out the Hazel forums um over at noodlesoft.com, I believe. Yeah, NoodleSoft.com slash forums. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, the developer is extremely active over in the forums, and there are some real Hazel super geeks over in the forums. And you can post all kinds, you can view the tips and quicks, uh, tricks in there, and they've got a, a topic for open discussion, uh, and you can post all kinds of questions and usually get answers pretty quickly. Uh, it's a great forum. So if you're uh, trying to do something with Hazel and you just can't quite wrap your, your brain around it and you don't think it's a bug um you think it's just something that you're you're kind of struggling with uh go check out the forms
1: yeah all right next
0: uh, next is uh, always one of my favorites, 1Password. And how many times have we said that the, the passwords are just going to kill us all, or we're all going to die because we don't have really good passwords. And uh, 1Password is, is my app of choice. But at this point, you've got to be using some kind of password management, whether you choose it to be 1Password, whether you go with another solution like LastPass, or whether you just use the Apple Keychain solution you've got to get on board with using some kind of password management because there is no excuse for using the same password on multiple sites or using bad passwords. And if you're going to use good, strong passwords and not repeat the same passwords over and over again, you can't keep that stuff in your head. You really shouldn't get one of those little log journal diary books that says passwords on it. Have you seen pictures of those? Everybody sends them to us when they find them.
1: Yeah, somebody just tweeted one at me the other day. Yes. yeah
0: yeah those are really bad ideas don't buy one of those uh you can't keep them on sticky notes. you shouldn't put them on a word or an Excel document that you keep on your desktop called passwords. Um, there are better ways, and a password management app is a better way. One password is my tool of choice simply because it it syncs to all of your devices and it syncs across multiple platforms and you know we've talked about one password extensively on the show, so i I won't bore you with a with an ad type read for it um but I use it because I think it's the best, um, just from a, from a feature standpoint, um, not only with generating passwords and storing passwords, but also giving you the ability to, um, audit all of those passwords and know, you know, when is there a vulnerability on a site? When do I need to go through and change a password? When am I using duplicate passwords across multiple sites? Um, you know, when, when have I not changed my passwords? In so many months, and then being able to store other things like credit cards and software licenses, uh, it's an app that I'm in every day.
1: Yeah, and and like Katie, I, I think the tip with One Password is, is to go in and look at the features that you're not using because you know the basics are there, and it's very easy to get the app running and then have it generate passwords for you and save them. But go a little deeper. You're a Mac Power user, you know, go deeper and find some of the like the secure notes and the ability to. There's a lot in there that you can do beyond just creating passwords. So that's the tip for 1Password.
0: You said you're going to let me go first with the tip.
1: Oh, I did it again. You did, but did you only again. gave one.
0: So that's a good yeah, one. Okay. Yeah,
1: okay. All right, you go, Katie. All
0: right, so here's my tip with with 1Password or or really any password management. Um, and that is, uh, and, and help me out here, David, who created this initially? And then one of our Mac Power user listeners helped uh, expand on it. It's called the 1Password Emergency Kit. Was that Sven Speckner who created it originally?
1: No, it was was, Mike uh, Vardy.
0: Mike Vardy. Okay, Mike Vardy. I apologize, Mike. Um, But Mike created uh, this great document called the One Password Emergency Kit. And again, you can modify this if you choose not to use one password or use something else. But it's think of it as this single page um, document, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes that you should probably keep with all of your important documents, like your will or your power of attorney or whatever kind of stuff that you keep. That's um, that just basically is a note to your family members that says, you know, dear family. I use an app called 1Password. This is basically what it does. It's got all my stuff in it. And here's how you get access to it. This is my password to get into my Mac. This is my password to get into 1Password. If you sync via Dropbox, this is the password to get into my Dropbox. And it just kind of walks you through those important things that you're going to need to know. Um, I printed out a copy. I gave it to my mom. I don't know what her 1Password password is. Can you believe that she did not tell me? Really? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, in, in our family, we actually have shared that in 1Password. So I have Daisy's and Daisy has mine in yeah. 1Password. Yeah. Does but that make sense?
0: But she, yeah, it does. But she did say, she said, I filled out that piece of paper that you told me to, and I put it with my will. So if something bad happens, you can go get it. I said, all right, well, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, next is our beloved. You know what that is, right? Text I Expander. Yeah. I love Text Expander. It's really hard to talk about text expander without making it sound like an ad read because I just use this thing every day. I, I got an email the other day from a lawyer, and it was one of those snarky questions that you get about every month from a lawyer. And I found myself writing the response, trying to, you know, bring the conversation back to a, a significant, you know, portion of adulthood, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, you know, I write this quite often. Oh, wait a second. I have an application for that. So I actually have a text expander for, for responding to juvenile attorney email. Now text expander is amazing. So anything that you write more than once on your computer, no matter, you know, no matter your level of proficiency with computers, this application will solve that problem for you you just type in a couple keystrokes and it fills it in for you but it does so much more i mean that that idea of writing a couple keystrokes and having it fill in something for you is not new i mean they've uh, operating systems have been doing it for years but text expander brings it to a whole new level it allows you to um to create custom snippets where you can have like fill in fields and it allows you to add scripts and it's just amazing and it and it now it you know it translates right over to ios and they've got a keyboard on ios I it just really I can't tell you how much time this application has saved me. Actually, I could tell you how much time because it it tracks that as well. Yeah, you (laughs) could. Yeah. But the, um, either way, I, you know, text expander, I think is the gateway drug to automation on your Mac where where Hazel's great for file management, text expander handles text and it works in any application. I got an email from a listener saying, well, you know, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a new lawyer. I'm starting to write a lot of stuff. I use text expander. What applications can I use it? And I said, you can use it in any application, just type, you know? So, uh, I don't know. We've talked about that a lot over the years on this show, so I guess we we shouldn't dwell on it. But but this is an application that gets installed very early on every Mac I own.
0: Uh, one quick thing I want to say because I did not give him credit, it was Charles Hammonds who uh, helped out Mike Vardy on the One Password version 3.0 emergency kit.
1: Nice. So I do want. To we have the that. best listeners in podcasting. I'm pretty yes, sure we really do.
0: Um. So are you ready for a text expander tip? Do I get to go now?
1: Yeah, go please.
0: Okay. Um, well, I have been in a situation at the office now where we're running some proprietary software that requires me to run Windows. Ugh. But I'm having to virtualize um, this. Uh, what, what do you call it? this document management software in Windows at the office? And I'm actually in and out of it quite a bit now. And this really weird thing has happened, and that I've got these really weird symbols that nobody can recognize when I type my notes in this document management software. And I, they're like, what does this mean? And it's like, um, you know, F semicolon and TK semicolon and all of these other things followed by semicolons. And I said, Oh, that's where I was trying to use my text expander snippets, but I realized it wouldn't expand because I'm using windows right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I got to go back and fix that. But um, there are a couple of apps, uh, if, if you like me, and you have to use the PC for work, or you have to, you know, use some PC applications and you're virtualizing for work, um, there are a couple of apps, uh, uh, Phrase Expander, I think is one, and Brevi is another that will sync via Dropbox and read from the Text Expander database. So I think I just loaded up uh, Brevi on, on, the, on the Windows uh, virtualized side of my PC at work to fix that problem.
1: I've I've never done this, but I've actually thought about it sometimes when I'm like handwriting, uh, thinking if I could just write my text expander snippet here.
0: (laughs) Oh, they have that. Have you seen that? Was a it was a um, it was an April Fool's joke? Yeah.
1: Oh, was it? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, text expander is definitely something you want to load up when you get early. The next one. uh, Wait, wait, you
0: didn't give us your tip.
1: Okay, text expander. There's there's so many. Where do I start? Um, uh, Okay, here's one let me just get it if you have the text expander installed in your menu bar and you see a snippet appear and it's for some reason not doing what you wanted it to do like you see oh i needed to change that if you go up to the menu bar they have a command called edit last extended expanded snippet you can also do a keyboard shortcut i've got a um, control option command T I just mash down all three of those uh, keys to the left of the spacebar bar and hit T and it opens up text expander and it opens up the last expanded snippet. So if you see one fire off and there's a little mistake in it um, edit last expanded snippet, fix it right there and then you won't have that problem again.
0: And by the way, it's phrase express, not phrase expander. <laughs> I guess that would help. Yeah. Okay. For windows. Yeah. All
1: right. Um, next category uh you, i think everybody should look seriously at a, a keyboard uh app you know like uh launchbar or alfred i think those are the two ones so.
0: yeah and and we've done shows on both and this is one that i've gone back and forth on honestly i well i think i originally like you started with quicksilver but was not on that long uh then switched to launchbar and used launchbar pretty extensively and then switched to alfred when alfred version Two, I think it was, came out, or when there was a pretty significant change to Alfred and used Alfred for a couple of years. And now I've switched back to LaunchBar uh, when LaunchBar version six released. So I've gone back and forth. Um, LaunchBar is, you know, LaunchBar kind of still is is my favorite because when using LaunchBar, it kind of feels like I'm coming home again. And it's the one that I'm most familiar with. But Alfred is great too. But the the deal with these these launcher utilities, and I know that, that Apple has built in the ability to launch apps and to do more now with Spotlight and Yosemite. But And if that's where you want to start, that's a great place to start. In fact, you should start there and start using Spotlight on your Mac to, to launch apps and to get some basic information and to do some basic searches. But when you're ready to up your game uh, and when you're ready to do things like um, – manage your files from your keyboard, you know, being able to um, search the web or to be able to browse the file system or copy and name and remove files um, or or launch scripts or um, pull up information related to your contacts or I mean, really any number of things, you know, actually manipulate your files. That's really when you need to move into the category of one of these launcher utilities.
1: Yes. And I'm with Katie. They're, they're all great. I like LaunchBar. Alfred is good too. If that's your thing, it's okay. That's all right. Um, let's talk about some tips though. Uh, like for instance, one of the problems with spotlight, you know, cause they, it's getting better. Like if I hit spotlight, which in my case is command space, I'm, I'm getting a lot of grief for that by the way. And, and I go to type Katie's name, then I get a contact card for Katie Floyd. But if I want to make the phone number big enough that I can see it when I walk across the room to pick up the phone, I have to use the mouse to get it to display as large check. It's just very cumbersome. And the whole point of these things is to make you fly on the keyboard. With Launch Bar, I can activate Katie Floyd, arrow down to her phone number, hit enter, and then her phone number appears really big across the screen. So it's just, it's hard to explain, but it takes out intervening steps, the, the dedicated applications that... That Spotlight does not do. Um, my my quick tip for Launch Bar is a uh, managing files trick. And let's say you've got a bunch of stuff on your desktop and you want to put it in Dropbox. Um, select the files and then hold down your your Launch Bar keys. Now maybe Command Space or Control Space or whatever you choose to use, but hold down for a long time. So you take like in my case Control Space and hold the Space Bar down for just a second and then suddenly you'll get a different menu than you would if you just hit control space and it allows you then to type in like I can type DRO for Dropbox and I hit enter and it'll let me move the file to Dropbox so with just a couple key combinations I'm manipulating files on my computer to different places on my computer without opening the finder without using the mouse or the trackpad to you know wiggle around and then hope I land you know how you try to land the file and you might land it in the wrong folder and not realize it or all the things that go wrong when you're trying to use the mouse or the trackpad to move a lot of files around. Uh, just a great tip. And a lot of people use LaunchBar or Alfred, but they don't realize the file manipulation tools are there. Stop and learn those because that'll change your game.
0: Yeah. And I guess, and I think again, you gave two tips, but um, either way, regardless of which of these apps you use, I want to say take a few minutes and go in and learn about some of the customization options, um, and learn in and p- go in and play with some of the preferences for these apps. Um, like you can configure it. Like one of the things is, um, I was accidentally triggering, and I really didn't intend to uh, playing songs out of iTunes, and I I did not want that. I did not want to be able to trigger iTunes and start uh, launching music with both of these apps. And if you go in and you can configure either of these apps, you can disable that. So it won't start playing items from iTunes with that. Uh, You can also go in and configure helper applications. So for example, both of these apps, both LaunchBar and Alfred, um, have the ability to read um, your 1Password database and launch quick fills or launch autofill forms uh, from 1Password. So instead if I type, let's say, Bank of America, instead of going to the Bank of America website, it will launch the Bank of America bookmarklet from within one password, uh, and, and fill in my login for, for that site. Um, and, and that's really what I want to do because I don't actually want to go to the bank of America site. I want to go to the bank of America site and log in. Um, and so those are just examples of some of the customization options that you can do with either of these apps. Uh, and there's so many more, but, you know, take a minute once you figure out some of the power behind these apps and then go in and, and actually tweak them. So.
1: Yeah, make it yours. When people see you using one of these keyboard launchers on your Mac, they're going to be amazed. And once it becomes second nature to you, you're going to feel like you're a race car, you know, you just you just fly on your Mac. Um why don't we take a break for our first sponsor?
0: Yeah, we're we're about halfway through our our top 10 list, so this is a this is a good chance. Um, and we have an exclusive sponsor for this episode, and our exclusive sponsor is Smile. And Smile wants us to talk a little bit about PDF Pen version 7, which was recently released. And this is a major update to PDF Pen. Uh, it's got a brand new look, a modern user interface just for Yosemite. They've gone in and they've redesigned it and tweaked it, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but they've added a lot of new features to PDF Pen. Uh, for now, you can, uh, new for now, uh, you can proof ocr text Directly from your scanned pages. That was one of the biggest features of PDF Pen. Is the ability to scan a document in. It would OCR it for you. Um, but you know, OCR is not perfect. And now you can go in and actually proof that text and actually see that OCR text on a different layer. Um, it also has. Uh, the ability to it supports document sharing with iCloud Drive. Uh, and that's a big improvement because, you know, maybe you don't necessarily need to buy a PDF pen from the Mac App Store this time. You can buy it directly from Smile. In fact, they've got a blog post that I think I'll link and put in the show notes that talks to you about what are the differences between the Mac App Store version? What are the differences between the standard version and what are they able to do now in the standard version? Now that they're using iCloud Drive, Um, the tools now remember their their various preferences. Um, They can um, they've got more highlighting and free form call out tours. But here's the big thing is they have created. You can sign PDF forms creating interactive signature fields. So, you know, David, we've always talked about how you can sign PDFs uh, using PDF pen and you just would have to stick your signature in and drag and drop it, but now they have the ability um, where with PDFn pro you can create these specific fields for people to sign and so if you 've got one of these PDFs, you can go ahead and just sign with your signature your finger finger rather on one of these iOS devices or even using your trackpad it says okay here 's the place here 's where here 's where you go ahead." Um, and sign. Uh, they've got more export options. And then, of course, PDF Pen does all of the stuff that it always did even better. You can add text. You can add images. You can add signatures to their PDF. You can correct text in an original document. You can fill out original uh, interactive PDF forms, uh, forms. You can redact, erase, or uh, any text, including the OCR level. Uh, you can export to Microsoft Word, and that is absolutely huge. Uh, and again, you can perform OCR on those scanned documents. In fact, that's something that I use uh, Hazel to do is to launch a script to OCR, a lot of documents that I download to my uh, drive. So uh, go check it out and see what's new in PDF pen version seven. You can download a free trial at SmileSoftware.com. Uh, and this guy named Max Markey did a bunch of videos for him.
1: Yeah, that was fun. I did. A, I did a series of 10. Only eight are published at this point. But by the time the show um, goes, I think the other two will be out as well. It's really great, and I'd like to add, Katie, that it also does Bates page number, and we hear a lot of times from listeners that want to do Bates page, and you now PDF Pen supports that as well. That's right,
0: um, and Dave will be talking a little bit more about PDF Pen Pro, which adds even more new features a little bit later. So stay tuned for that, uh, and thanks to Smile for your support of the show.
1: Another, so the second, there were the sixth category of apps for me is a task manager, and for me that's OmniFocus. I mean. My beloved, another beloved app for me is OmniFocus. I need it to just make things happen. I don't even know what else I can say.
0: <laughs> well, we got a we got a question from a Mac Power user listener, and this seems like as good a place in any to address it. Um, and they asked, you know, where should I buy apps like OmniFocus? Should I buy it from the Mac App Store? Should I buy it direct from um, Omni? And, you know, I think this applies to a lot of apps and, and why.
1: I am. Um, I, I recommend buying apps like the Omni group apps from Omni directly because they're, you know, they're, they're a lot more expensive than two or $3 and you want to be in their system. I think it's kind of nice that the developer gets all that money. I guess that's one reason. Another reason is, you know, it makes upgrade pricing much easier. Yeah. You know, I've bought all my Omni group apps and people say, well, they, they sponsor your show. Don't you get all the stuff for free? No, I, I pay for it because I use it every day. I just feel like I should. Um, but the, But I would buy those apps. I would also buy like the Smile apps directly from Smile. Um, Later, we're going to be talking about a lot of utilities we like. And that's the kind of stuff I would buy directly from the App Store.
0: Yeah. And I think with the the, previously the big reasons to buy, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the reasons to buy from the, the Mac App Store. Uh, because there are some. I mean, obviously, yeah. ease of use is, you know, just go to the Mac App Store, click download, boom. Um, and you've kind of got a family license when you buy from the Mac App Store because you can use it for any app that is authorized with that account. So if you've got um, multiple Macs authorized with that account, you, you can use that app on any Mac that's authorized on that account. Um, and then uh, there there are still uh, some iCloud-specific features that you can only use on apps that you purchase direct from the Mac App Store. Now, that's a little less of a big deal now that Apple has switched over to iCloud drive than it, than it is was before. Um, And again, I'm going to put that blog post from smile in a link to the show notes, not just because it relates to smile, but it talks a little bit about the differences between iCloud drive and iCloud and how it relates to saving apps, because that's going to relate to other apps as well.
1: Yeah. Um, And then
0: obviously the ease of updating.
1: Yeah. So OmniFocus though is for the sixth, category task manager is the one I choose now there's there's other things out there there's things and there's like remember the milk and there's different services and it really depends on what your needs are but but for me I need something kind of powerful and I always am using iOS or Mac and for me that means that OmniFocus is the solution for me I don't know should we talk about a tip for OmniFocus we we talk about that app quite a lot
0: well we've done it for everything else
1: okay um uh relative review periods when you uh first one of the the premier features in AMI focus that you don't find in other task management apps is the ability to set a uh, designated review time which is a, a great way to keep on top of your projects you know you sit down uh and you start going through anything that's marked for review and so i could have a project that could say you know hand make a batleth for katie floyd
0: that's a great and project. Let's do that. It, wouldn't it be?
1: I think I would say, but I, I'd be afraid I'd like cut myself on it or something, but I would try anyway for you, Katie Floyd. And so I'd have that project and, and I would have a review period of it, maybe one month. So once a month, that project pops up on my review cycle and I can say, okay, I still haven't, you know, tempered the steel or bought the leather or I don't know what are the the parts I would need to make a batleth, but whatever there I would, I I haven't done much on this. So I could uh, look at that and decide whether I'm going to do it, or maybe I'll look at it and say, you know what? I'm just not going to make this batleth for Katie this year. I'm too busy. And I'll, I'll push the project off or delete the project. But setting relative review periods is is a way that allows you to do that sanely. You don't want all of your projects to show up for review every week, or you're going to spend all your time reviewing your projects, but you may have a couple that you need to review every week, but maybe there's another one. You only need to review once every six months. Um, And I think a lot of people uh, listening to this are not using the reviews because every time they go to look at the review tab in OmniFocus, there are like 70 projects there and it's just, Overwhelming, they say. Okay, I'm not going to do that. Uh, if you would be more realistic about your review periods, you won't see so many projects for review, and you'll actually take the time to do the review. So, go in there, and it's very easy to do an OmniFocus. You can set however long you want for the review period for a project.
0: One of the the tips that I would bring up is using perspectives and OmniFocus, and this was something that I really didn't do until recently, um, and and I, I realized how much I was missing when I started when I started using them, um, and and it became popular I think with OmniFocus too, and there were a bunch of geeks, in, including you, David, uh, who started uh, posting their OmniFocus perspectives and it says, okay, look this is how I use perspectives. And that's what really helped me and got me into perspectives. This is how I use perspectives. Here's a a screenshots of how I set them up. And this is why I use them. And I think that was particularly helpful. So now, for example, I've created perspectives, you know, specifically for the office, specifically for today um, you know some perspectives for like weekend and some perspectives to see things that are done so I know that when I go to the office I can click on my office perspective and I can see what I've got to work on at work without seeing all of the other things in my life that don't relate to office related things and what can I do at work and what what are the priorities there so uh, using perspectives and learning a little bit more about perspectives would be one of my tips and if that doesn't quite you can't quite wrap your brain around that and why it works yet. Um, I would say, you know, just do a search and I'll, I'll throw David's in the show notes, but uh, do a search for, um, you know, some of the OmniFocus perspectives. I know David posted his, I think um, uh, Crustini might've posted his, I know uh, Brett Kelly posted his, Um, but see how some other people are using perspectives and, you know, just, they've posted them out there, just, you know, use the same perspectives and then tweak them as you like.
1: Feel free to steal from me. Take all of my perspectives. Go for it. I, also, I took several
0: of your perspectives. Oh, sh- and the sh- the other yes. thing, I'm going to add two tips because you you've added two tips twice or yeah, more than okay. that. Um, the other thing is 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 make it your own. And I did that with some custom icons. Um, icons and coffee came up with a custom icon set that you can use for OmniFocus and the, 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 icons that come with OmniFocus are, are great, but especially when you start adding perspectives, you want, I, I like to make it pretty and I like to make it my own. And, and there's something about, you know, when you, when you move in or when you move offices or something like that, you, you want to customize it and you want to make yours look different from everybody's else's. So, you know, maybe when you're ready to do a little customization, you know, class it up a little bit with some icons.
1: And a shameless self-promotion. I did a video on OmniFocus and it does cost money, but uh, I've got a lot of great feedback from people who got us two and a half hours. And if you watch that, I, I totally cover perspectives and everything in there. By the time you get to the end, you'll be a pro. So
0: yeah, I threw a link to that in too.
1: All right. Thanks. Um, next category is calendars. I don't think uh, Apple's calendar app is good enough. Agree. I think w- when I set up a new Mac, I'm going to want to up up the game there a little bit, um, and we're cheating a little bit. We've got two picks on this one, and you may want one or the other or both, and they would be fantastic. Cal and BusyCal. So, and they they do different things. Fantastic Cal is does this amazing job of parsing text and turning it into events, and it does it in a way that's very clever. You know, uh, it's a menu bar app in essence, and you start typing into it, and as you do it it starts filling in the calendar event for you. And it's not one of these things where you have to type in, you know, uh, go buy steel for Katie's lith tomorrow at 2 p.m. and then you hit return and pray that it does it right. You know, th- th- because that's the way a lot of these things work is you type it in and when you're done, then you see what the results are. And this, as you're typing it, it, it animates very cleverly moving the uh, the text and creating the event underneath what you're writing so you can see if I say go buy it tomorrow you can see that it's picking tomorrow's date and if I write 10 a.m you can see it writes in 10 a.m and you you can find out very quickly if it's getting you so you don't have to do it more than once and for that feature alone it's just golden I use it every day and there's a lot you can do with that application I'm going to save some I don't want to do a tip early I don't want to get in trouble Uh, because then then you'll sneak in multiple exactly okay and so do you want to talk about the other app how do you want to do this
0: well the other the app that i use if you're done with fantastical and i i second everything you say i love fantastical it's in my menu bar of every mac that i that i have and i've recommended to many people oh and ios we should just throw in there that there's an ios app for fantastical as well
1: yeah I, I, i was at um nam you know the other day right yeah mr simmons was there the fantastical guy oh yeah and he uh, he he saw me, he yelled out at me, I didn't hear him. Mm-hmm. I'm so disappointed he didn't find me because I it's in my dock. I was gonna show him, man. Your app is in my dock. Okay. But anyway. You uh, missed, so, missed an opportunity there. Go on. All
0: right, so I'm gonna talk a little bit about BusyCal and BusyCal is my default calendaring app because as much as I love Fantastical, I use it more so for entering appointments and quick glance. What have I got going on? What's what's next? But when I really need to see, you know, my my week at a glance, what are other people in my office doing? Busy Cal is where I do the main bulk of my scheduling. And uh, I use an exchange based calendaring system in the office. And I know that Apple says that they support Exchange, but I was just finding that Apple's support for Exchange and calendaring was, how shall I say this, wonky? Sometimes um, it would work, but it, it had some oddities to it. And, and BusyCal, hands down, just works so much better. But in addition to actually working better than the actual calendar app, uh, it does things a whole lot better as well. I mean, you can have multiple calendars in there. You can, um, you know, have the calendars from Exchange or from Google or from, you know, pretty much any type of, of calendar feature. Uh, but you can also customize it. So you can see, you know, tell it what do you want to see in BusyCal. You know, instead of seeing, just the standard week, you know, when does your week start? Does your week start on Sunday? Does your week start on Monday? Or does your week start today, whatever today happens to be, and then you see the next seven days? Um, Do you by default see seven days, five days, 14 days, 10 days? Those are all things that you can customize. Uh, You can see a 10-day weather forecast, uh, in your calendar. And I've turned that on because I'd like to be able to know in Florida, we have really wacky weather. Like yesterday it was 70 degrees and today the high is like 43. I don't understand that. But I knew that in advance because Busy Cal told me it knew that. And that was
1: great. Yeah. Don't uh, get me started on Florida weather. I was there for a week. Yeah, I learned enough.
0: You we're here for a week and that's it. you such yeah. a
1: wuss. <laughs> I know. I am. I'll take that.
0: Um, and you can also do things like holidays and anniversaries and birthdays, and then you can even drag and drop little images onto your calendar if you want. So, you know, for somebody's birthday, I can drag and drop a a birthday cake or, um, you know, do something to customize my calendar on Halloween. I can put a picture of a little pumpkin in my calendar. Uh, and it's, it's just great. Everything about calendaring, it just does better. And I don't know how to describe it. Other than that, there's a, there's a free trial.
1: I think the way, I think the way to look at it is You know, Apple has a group of smart people making the calendar application, but they're beholden to masters and, you know, the calendar application needs to fit in with the look of the user interface and the general operating system. And there are certain features they need to support because it's a it's a drive at Apple to make this thing happen. Whereas BusyCal is a group of calendar geeks that are trying to make a really amazing calendar app and they don't care about satisfying any other department.
0: That's a good point. Yeah.
1: And they, as a result, they get to put stuff in there that I'm sure the calendar people would love to put in and put in better settings and things like that. So, yeah. and, And the nice thing is because there's a free trial, if you've been on the fence about this, download it and use it for a couple of weeks and see if it changes your game or not, you know, and, and you can try it. And if it doesn't make that much of a difference, you can stay with calendar, but I recommend trying it because I think it you may find that it's worth the money. Um, so power tip, uh, on fantastical is the slash trick when you when you type in i was talking about earlier how you can type in event you know go shopping for katie's batlith, and you have different you know you have different calendars in your system and using you know you don't want to take your fingers off the keyboard to go to the mouse to select the appropriate calendar but if you use the slash trick so if i would go slash mpu uh, at the end of that description in fantastical then it would apply the mac power user's calendar Or if I did slash P, it would be the personal calendar slash W would be the work calendar or whatever calendars you have in your system. It automatically is able to parse that out. So I think that's one a lot of people don't realize exists and it can save you some time.
0: All right. If I had to pick a tip for BusyCal, it would be use the BusyCal alarms, not the built in system alarms, Um, because the BusyCal alarm window is so much more powerful than any of the other system alarms, because it will give you the ability to do a couple of things. Um, Number one, you can snooze an alarm or a notification in BusyCal, which you lost the ability to do a couple of versions of the uh, Mac OS to do ago. So for, let's say you've, you've got a notification, you've got an appointment coming in and you've got it set to notify you 30 minutes in advance. Uh, You can then snooze that alarm to say, you know, okay, we'll notify me again, X minutes, you know, five minutes before the event starts. And, and that's great. That's something that you can't do with the the standard uh, alarm notification box. You can just say, okay, I'm good. Thanks. I got it. But with BusyCal, you can do so much more. Um, So that's my tip is, is use the BusyCal alarms.
1: And you know, and it kind of goes without saying but some listeners may not realize this but using these third party apps is not screwing up your your built-in calendar. They're all looking to the same calendar database. So if you add an event in BusyCal, it'll show up in Fantastical and the built-in calendar's app and you can jump between these applications without losing calendar data. So it's it's really not a lot of risk to try some of these third party apps. Uh, the next entry on our list is kind of the master, this is the graduate course. So let's say you got in with text expander and you started getting automated and then you got yourself a copy of Hazel and all of a sudden files are magically taking care of themselves on your Mac, but you want to take it to the next level and you want to further automate your Mac without having to learn a programming language. And for that, you should look no further than keyboard maestro. And this is another one we did a whole show on, but Two. two shows. Did we do two? I've lost track. 64
0: but... and 145.
1: Okay. Well, Keyboard Maestro is kind of the app that it's. it almost defies explanation. It's magic. It looks at everything that's going on your Mac and says, if this happens, then make that happen. And the list of ifs and that's are pretty large.
0: Well, it, it does more than that. It's like if this and this happens or if this or this yeah. happens or if I'm connected to this Wi-Fi network or if this USB device is plugged in or if it's this time of day or, you know, if any exactly. of this criteria, it's it's wow.
1: I mean, you can do have it like automatically launch applications for you You can say if I plug in my scanner, launch my scan snap software. I mean, that's kind of a basic example, but it. The sky's the limit. And this is one where uh, you need to spend a little bit of time familiarizing yourself with it. But once you get into it, you're going to find yourself making little uh, keyboard maestro scripts that just delight you. And we hear from readers all the time, our listeners who, who get into this. And it's funny because everybody has their own like pet keyboard maestro script script you know they've got one that does a certain thing in OmniFocus if the sun is you know under the horizon and they get an email from Bob and they're very excited they send these in to me and they're they're almost unusable for anybody else but for that one listener that script solves a massive problem and automates work that they would otherwise have to spend time doing themselves every day and for everyone listening to the show you have a couple of those problems you would like to solve. And I would guess that keyboard maestro will probably solve them for you.
0: So for tips, do you want to share one or I'll share one and you share one, one of our keyboard maestro scripts?
1: Go first. Yeah, you go first.
0: All right. So, so this one is, is really specific. But somebody else has this problem, uh, David. You you talked about, um, and and I've been meaning to write this up, and and maybe this will will trigger me too. But you know, there's that tip in Apple Mail where you can change uh, what email address you're sending from. So if you're sending from your Mac Sparky account, you can change from you can send it from that account. If you're sending from your work account, you can send from that account. All by this drop down window in Apple Mail. Yeah. Okay, and you can even create a keyboard shortcut to, to say which, which of these accounts I want to send from. So if you type, I don't know, shift control M, it will send from your Mac Sparky account, or in my case, it will send from my Mac power users account. And, and I think I'll put in the show notes, you did a video on that. Talk about how to do that. Yeah. All right. I, I up to you a little bit using keyboard maestro. So I previously had a t- I actually wrote to the text expander guys and they said use keyboard maestro for this. So I previously had a text expander snippet that when I typed MPU semicolon, it would expand my Mac Power Users signature block. You know, Katie Floyd, Katie at MacPowerUsers Mac podcast, blah blah blah. You know, all that stuff yeah. in your typical signature block. Yeah. So I was by default every time I concluded a Mac Power Users email, I was typing MPU semicolon. Yeah. And then I would have to, you know, switch over and make sure I was sending it from the right email account. So I created a, a keyboard maestro macro that would that is designed to run only in Apple Mail. And whenever the string MPU semicolon was typed, which is the same as the text expander snippet, so I don't have to relearn muscle memory, yeah. it would insert that same text from that keyboard snippet. And it would type the keyboard shortcut that I had assigned to the Mac Power users email account. And then it will reset the pasteboard back to whatever it was previously so I don't have this this snippet of text stuck on my pasteboard. So every time I sign off on a Mac Power users email, I not only insert my signature, but it automatically changes it to send it from the correct email account every time. That's great. Yep. I, I could even add more criteria, like if I wanted to add it to run a spell check or do something else before I send that email, I could even if, if I'm done with it, I could even have it automatically hit the send key if I know that's always the last thing that I do.
1: I, I could add it for my tip. I'm going to add on to that one. Okay. There's a field called greet sender or yeah, greet sender and um, where you can get the sender's name and automatically add the sender's name to the email. Like if you're replying to an email. So say, you know, dear Bob. You don't have to type Dear Bob. It's automatically put that in for you.
0: Tell me how you do that.
1: It's in, you know, I've got to go look it up. Hold on a second. I'm going to write it up, Katie Floyd, because it's actually a little more complicated than I could describe right now.
0: So you can you have a keyboard maestro macro that inserts the name of the sender every time you type a snippet?
1: Yeah, let me let me pull it up. So I, didn't, I, I wasn't prepared for this. All right. Uh, so I make a, you, there's a field called mail sender and you grab it. You know, I'm, I'm trying to pull my notes from the Mac world website where I actually wrote about this hmm. and they're playing a video while I'm ah. looking at my notes and it's making me crazy. That's horrible. Stop doing that. <laughs> All right, I'll write it up and explain it. But that, that's just one example of the things you can do, even just like the, you know, plugging in device and making things happen. Another really good use for uh, keyboard maestro is uh, it it re- detects when you attach to a Wi-Fi network. So if you go to work and you have things you want to happen on your computer, let's say you get to work. Uh, here's a simple one. I, here's another simple one I do is when I go to work, there's a um, there's a newspaper, a lawyer's newspaper called The Daily Journal, and I read it every day. And um. When I log into the work Wi-Fi, it opens Safari and loads up my account in the Daily Journal and gives me the headlines. I sit down at my desk. First oh, thing that shows up is there's, the newspaper. There's
0: your Macworld autoplay video going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found the website and I, uh, yeah. I added the link in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a lot you can do with this application. So go check it out. Awesome. And I think this is the one where people have a little bit of trouble. I mean, th- this is one where if you, you're, you've been with us on Text Expander and Hazel, I think Keyboard Maestro may be the one a lot of people hold up on. I get that. I, I do think that when you buy it, you can't just immediately start using it. You need to spend an hour or two. But it's, if you're a geek, it's kind of fun to spend an hour into getting good at something like this. And suddenly your Mac just starts dancing for you. Awesome. It's on, it's on my top 10. It gets loaded.
0: Yep. Excellent. What's next? Well, we haven't included any text editors yet. So I think we're going to have to do something about that.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. As we were getting towards, you know, the bottom of the list, there's a lot of directions we could go. Like there's a whole bunch of apps I need for screencasting that I could say I must have, but I don't think there's that many listeners that screencast or video production or writing music. There's all these things you could do, but I think something everybody does is they write. Everybody.
0: and there's so many text editors and the the one that i've got to call out is is byword it's I, I know that you experiment and i've experimented with some as well but byword is the one that i keep coming back to day by day it's the one that i launch all of the time when i just want to open up something and write because it's it's elegant it's simple it does markdown uh it syncs with the iOS app it it's just it's everything that i need to do and and more and it's so that's it. That's all I need to do.
1: Yeah, and the developers of Byword have not made it overly complicated. As the years have gone by, they've added uh communication type features to it. For instance, it does handoff. And you know, they they've they've tried to make it more useful for people that have multiple devices. But the thing I find is it just it's always got the words I've been writing in it on all my devices. I can open my phone, my iPad, or my Mac and just pick up where I left off.
0: Yeah, and the iCloud sync is is awesome because you just save it, it saves to iCloud. And because these are text files, they're so small, it takes no time at all to upload. And then you can just pick up wherever you go.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the poster child for iCloud because... It, the system can handle files of this size so easily that it really does just work. Um, so in Byword, I guess we should explain is a text editor, it's not a fancy word processing program. You're not going to have a lot of control over typography, but it does actually give you rich text if you're using Markdown. It kind of previews it for you. And... Just just to have a place to write, anything of substance that I do usually starts in byword, unless it's really big, then I go to one of the bigger kind of writing apps, which is the next category. Um, but so much of the stuff I do starts in byword, and a lot of the things I write kind of sit in byword, like I'll start writing on it, and then maybe I'll sit, put it down for a day or two and come back. Even just something like in the day job, an extended letter starts out in byword for me. Um, you want to give a byword tip?
0: Yeah, a byword tip is... I, in version 2.0, they added the ability to export to a couple of different um, platforms. I mean, you've always been able to export to HTML or PDF or rich text or or whatever, but in version 2.0, they added the ability uh, where you could export to WordPress or Evernote, um... Those are the ones that I, I use primarily. Um, but you can also export to Tumblr and Blogger and, and some others. So if you're a blogger, ByWord all of a sudden can become a blogging platform. But a lot of times what I'll find myself doing is I'll type up something in ByWord or I'll copy something and paste it into ByWord. And then I'll save it off into Evernote and be like, because Evernote is a big document management system for me. In fact, Evernote almost made this top 10 list, but I had to save some space for David's stuff. Um, But
1: I I was going to comment that Evernote's not on the list. I thought that was interesting.
0: It would have been on the list because I started this list before you. And I realized that I had used almost all 10 slots and that I didn't leave you any to move any of your stuff. So
1: well, that's OK. I just removed some of yours anyway. <laughs> I saw you did. So that was that was me
0: being nice because I knew I knew that Evernote wouldn't be in your top 10. So that was me deferring to you. Evernote probably would be in my top 10 and I'd, I'd knock some of your stuff off. But this is a democracy. So Well, it
1: does. Evernote does get installed on a new Mac for me and I do use it, but I, it's not in my top 10. You're right. All right. Um, so. All right. So. So was that, what was your tip?
0: Use it to, you can now use it uh, to export to these, to these other services like Evernote, like WordPress. You can use it as a blogging platform.
1: Uh, Oh, so my tip on ByWord is the rich text export uh, feature, which is a keyboard shortcut. If you hit, Control-Option-Command-C with anything written in Markdown in ByWord and then paste it into Pages or Word or Ooh, yeah, w- good tip. whatever you want to do. Or even like Squarespace. That's how my posts get posted to Squarespace. Yep. It puts them in as rich text. So it allows you to take the Markdown and very easily copy it to the clipboard as rich text.
0: Cool. All right. We made it to 10.
1: All right. So 10, I, so continue on the theme that a lot of people listening are going to be writing. Um, I think this is, you know, Scrivener and. And Ulysses are, are both very, very good applications for writing, large writing projects. I would say that Scrivener is probably better for like writing a novel or a book where Ulysses is not quite as intense as Scrivener and maybe better for like a short story, if that makes sense. Uh, they're both very good. Uh, I'm not going to pick one or the other because they're they're different and I would recommend you try them both and see what, which one is the right fit for you. But I do know people that have bought Macs just for the purpose of running Scrivener. So... Uh, and I, this is we've done shows. We did a show on Scrivener. We have not done a show on Ulysses, but we've talked about it a lot over the years, and it, it just keeps getting better. Um, So I think that that those are two apps that you should look at if you do any type of significant writing. And for me, the cutoff point is you know probably a couple thousand words, or maybe a little bit more than that, like about five thousand words. If I get up to five thousand words on something, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna write. It will be a Scrivener project or Ulysses project. It won't be a, just a byword file.
0: Okay, I I got it. I own a copy of Scrivener, although I I will say honestly that I I don't use it extensively because I don't do a lot of long form writing. But
1: even just like um like as a lawyer, you write motions, right? I do, yes. So what if you had an application where you could take all the case law and put in your research tabs, and all the little you could lay out the skeleton of the entire motion, like a big motion. And then you could from there, start writing text in individual pieces and move it around and the full time have full access to your research in a separate pane all in the same application. Wouldn't that be valuable? I mean.
0: Yeah, it would be valuable.
1: It, and that's the kind of stuff you can do. So you should check it out. We did a whole show on it. And both of these applications have um, trial periods. So you can go go find them and try them yourself. But uh, I think those are really good. I'm going to give you the alternate number 10, since that one was definitely kind of a niche pick for me. with. Is it, would that be Evernote for you? Would that oh, be the
0: yeah. next? E- Evernote would be the alternate number 10 for me, for sure. Yeah. Uh, because Ever Evernote is my, my everything folder. I mean, Evernote is where I store all of my statements for my going paperless effort. Um, it's, it's where I store, you know, all of my little tidbits of information. It's what I use for sharing information, um, you know, with my colleagues at work. Uh, I I use Evernote. It's 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 an everything bucket if that's what you want to think of it. But it's Evernote is where everything else goes for me, and it's organized. and I'm starting to use tags more in Evernote, which I'm really excited about. It's my research database. It's where I keep uh, samples and forms and anything I find that's interesting to me that I think I might come back to later. I put in Evernote because I know I can tag it, categorize it, store it, put it somewhere, and then come back to it later.
1: All right. We've got that was just ten apps <laughs> and we're an hour and four minutes in. Yep. But we have 10 more. <laughs> and those will, those will go a lot
0: faster, I promise. Yeah, we're
1: going to go faster with those. But they are there's some good stuff in there. There's gold in them, our hills. But before we get there, I want to talk about our sponsor today. And that's an exclusive sponsor, Smiles Back. And this application PDF pin for the Mac version 7. And I was going to talk about the features in PDF pin Pro. The The new Pro version got some really great features. The first is uh, in the last version of PDF Pen. you might recall, they they added this great feature, which is export to Word. So if someone sends you a PDF document and you want to turn it into a Word document because you need to edit it or just get get at it in a deeper level than you can a PDF, you just click a button and it comes back as a Word file and it captures the formatting. They just did just an amazing job of the service where it'll turn a PDF into a Word document. Well, with the new version of PDF Pen Pro, they upped that. Now you can not only export to Word, you can export to Microsoft Excel. You know, when someone sends you a spreadsheet like PDF, don't you hate that? You want to get in and fiddle with the numbers and you want to add some formulas. You can't do that. Now you can. You just export it to Excel and you're done. Uh, You can export to PowerPoint. You know, when someone sends you a PDF of their slide deck and you want to put that into PowerPoint, you can do that now. You can export. And third, the one that I'm actually quite excited about is the PDFA archive format. Yes. Uh, you know, a lot of like courts and other people these days are saying, if you're going to submit something to us, it has to be in the PDFA format. That's a special format just for archive uh, PDFs. And uh, PDF Pen Pro now exports to that feature. Uh, Katie talked about, in addition to that, she talked about the OCR layer of text. And I don't want to understate that because... When you have a PDF that has OCR um, conducted on it, there is a separate layer of that document that's holding that text. It's not the words that you see on the screen that it recognizes the text. It's the text that's in that text layer. And that's always been kind of something behind the curtain that you never actually see. Well, with this new version, it displays that layer of text. And with PDF Pin Pro, you can go in and modify it so you can correct typos in the OCR text, which is... Uh, This is pretty remarkable. You have to see it. Um, Katie talked about how you can have interactive signatures. Well, with PDF Pen Pro, you can create those interactive signature fields. And it's very simple. You drag a box and it drops it in and people can sign on their trackpad or their iOS device. Um, You can create cross-platform fillable PDF forms. You can add the interactive signature. You can create and edit the table of contents. There's all these features that it's always had. They just get better. Uh, You can convert a full website into a PDF. Have you ever seen, like, maybe you're doing research and there's this website and it's, like, you know, linearly, uh, linearly, there we go, uh, like three feet long on your screen. And you just want to capture it all. And you're trying to figure out how do I do that? If you just type in the website URL, PDF does it for you, captures it, and you're done. Uh, All of these features, plus everything that Katie already talked about in PDF Pen Standard, uh, you get with PDF Pen Pro. So go check it out. Uh, You can download a free trial at Smile Software. Uh, the videos I did, I think, are pretty good. And I did videos summarizing what's new and also what's good about PDF Pen Pro. So you can watch those little videos. I kept them all under three or four minutes. They're they're very short, so you can get through them quickly and, and learn some tricks. And there are upgrade pricing. So if you've already bought it, go in and check it out. And if you're a student, a lot of people don't realize this. They have educational discounts. So go check out the new PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro from Smile. And thank you, Smile, for all your support of the Mac Power users.
0: Yeah, I gotta say, version seven upgrade was huge, but it was especially big for PDF Pen Pro. If you're on the fence about whether to get the standard or the Pro version, th- I think this is the time to upgrade to Pro. All
1: right, uh, so let's talk about ten utilities that we put on a new Mac as well. All right, and uh, the the first one this this is why they're not out of this is why they're out of order because the first one is the one you need at the end of this list, but it's Bartender. And uh, we've talked about this on the show. I know uh, I've got some listeners that have uh, bought it because I was talking because I hear about this. But Bartender is the menu bar application that lets you fold a second layer into your menu bar. So you can just keep the stuff that you really need on the menu bar and bury the rest in the second layer. Is that a way to put it? That's a great way to put it. Just click it and it drops down. This is really great if you're like using an 11-inch MacBook Air and you have limited space. But it's also good if you've got a 27-inch monitor and you just don't want eight inches of menu bar applications stretched across the top of your screen all the time.
0: Yeah bartenders uh, is the solution to this problem. Uh, next app, and because I know we're going to go through these a little bit faster than we did the others, is one that I've had on my Mac for a long time, and it never ceases to amaze me how often I use it, and including when podcasting, is a little app called Caffeine. It's going to sit in your menu bar, um, and it does one thing well, and that is it will keep your Mac awake. And you can change the different settings, and you can uh, turn, you know, say it so when you click it by default, it will start stay on for two hours or five hours or one hour, but when you turn on caffeine and it will turn the little coffee cup black, or it will be an empty coffee cup when it's, when it's not on, but it will keep your Mac from going to sleep and will keep your Mac screensaver from uh, activating. So if you're giving a presentation or maybe you're not necessarily touching your Mac or if you're watching a video or if you're doing something else um, and you're afraid that the screensaver is going to trigger, caffeine is what you want. Um, I use this. I was doing a a webinar where somebody else had had access uh, to my screen screen. I don't remember what it was, but it was a webinar that I was watching with a bunch of people and all of a sudden about 10 minutes and my screensaver activated. And the first time that happened, I realized, you know what, I need to go ahead and activate caffeine so that that doesn't happen again. Um, A little tip. I have caffeine activate by default for two hours. You can add it a little bit longer because I tend to forget to turn it off sometimes.
1: Yeah. And then it. And then the thing's running all night. Yeah. <laughs> Your screen's lit up. Yeah. The, um, that's a good one. Uh, another one I would recommend is iStat. Uh, you know, the guys at Bajango, they make iStat menus, which is a menu bar app that gives you a ton of good data about the battery life of your Bluetooth devices, the, uh, the internet speed, it's very customizable. Like how much space are you using on your SSD and all the stuff that's kind of important to you. We talked about this with John Syracuse last week, and he, he made the case that he doesn't want that information, but I would say it's great, especially if you have bartender already, because bartender is, you know, it's a way to put all that stuff one click away and an alternative to that um the guys at Bajango also have a separate app called iStat Mini. And this is really cool because you know we have these today view widgets on the Mac now too. We we talk a lot about it on iOS but uh then you know with Yosemite they put today view widgets on the Mac as well and the iStat Mini just gives you CPU speed, memory and disk space. Uh in the today view widget. So if you just drag over, you get two little bars or three little bars that just show you that. And they also show you your network upload and download. And I bought both of them because I just like what these guys do. And I love having quick access to that information if I need it.
0: Another one that I use, again, keeping with the theme of things that are going to go in your menu bar uh, is Cloak. And Cloak is a VPN service um, that is pretty much essential, especially if you're traveling around with a laptop. Uh, They've got a couple of different options, a couple of different plans that you can choose from, uh, whether it be pay per month for unlimited usage or pay for just a a bucket of usage. But it will detect when you are on an unsecure or an untrusted Wi-Fi network, uh, and it will automatically activate and uh, connect you to their VPN service. And so this is great if you're working in a coffee shop or if you're in a hotel room or if you're traveling and you're out and about. Uh, They also have an iOS version and that will pull from the same um, you know uh, account. So if you if you are out and about with your iOS device or if you're out and about with your Mac, you can use Cloak on either. Um, I've got Cloak loaded up on all my Macs, including my desktop Mac at the office. Don't tell them. Um, but sometimes there are certain sites at the office that are blocked, like um, maybe Apple Keynotes when they go to give Keynotes on Apple events. And so I'm just like, hmm, why can't I access this QuickTime stream? Oop, let me just click this little button up here on Cloak. And uh, all of a sudden, things start streaming just beautifully.
1: Yeah. It, Cloak is an application that I think a lot of people don't need that they don't realize they need. You know what I mean? I didn't say that well. Um, it's something that a lot of people could use that, that aren't taking advantage of it. So,
0: yeah. And especially I think, in, go
1: ahead. I mean, it's just like when you go into these, like a Starbucks or Pete's, and you see all these Wi-Fi signals bouncing around that are theoretically open to you, It's I just don't think you should be doing that stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think Cloak got a lot easier to access recently because they've they've changed around their pricing. And so you can either get a subscription, which is great. You can either get a mini subscription for five gigs a month or an unlimited subscription for 10 bucks a month or you can pay per year. Um, or if you're not someone who travels very much, you know, and you say, I don't want to pay for something that I'm not actually using because my computer mainly sits at home, you can buy these passes. So you can buy a week pass or a month pass uh, and, and do it that way. And so I, I really like their new pricing method.
1: Yeah, it's like the vacation. If you're going on vacation. Just get it for a week, right? Take the time or a month uh, if you're going
0: on a long vacation, which you should. Yeah. You really should.
1: I'd like to do that someday.
0: Uh, I, you know, what I'd like to do one day, and this is totally off topic. I would like to do like the cruise to, um, the cruise to Hawaii. You know, just get on yeah. a boat, go to Hawaii. I think it takes you like a couple of weeks to get there. Stay in Hawaii for a couple of weeks, and then get on the boat back. I mean, you have to, you'd have to take like a month and a half off to do it.
1: While we're doing bucket list vacations, I. I have this thing about New Zealand. I'm not sure why, but someday I want to go to New Zealand for like a month and just rent a car and just just tour. I don't know why, but that's that's on the list. Um, Anyway, um, next on the list is delivery status and um, delivery status started out as a widget on the Mac years ago. And it's just a great app that, like, when you buy something and you want to know when it's coming, you put in whatever the UPS tracker, whatever information you have, and it, it tracks it for you. Then we got iOS and they made an iOS app, which makes it even more convenient because it's in your pocket and you can give you notifications when. A new Mac is on the way or, you know, my batlith for for Katie. Yeah. Um, and, and now they have and they've gone you know full circle. Now they have an app in the app store for the Mac as well. And I bought all the stuff from these guys over the years. I don't use it for everything I order. You know, if I buy and, you know, reads for a saxophone, I'm not going to put it in there. But if I have something significant coming in, I just want to keep track of it. It's very attractive. It's not that expensive. And they do a really good job. And the guys at June Cloud, I think, are just. Are pretty good people anyway, so check that out. And it's called Delivery Status was the traditional name. If you look it up on the App Store now, it goes by just Deliveries. Oh, good tip. Yeah.
0: Um, another one that I really like is this. We probably should have gone off with our menu bar apps, but that's all right. It's called Mountain, and I had this this issue because my primary machine is a is a laptop, and it, it's for mounting external drives. And a classic example is my Drobo or any network attached storage, really, because when you restart your Mac or when you log out and you log back in, you know, sometimes it doesn't always mount those external drives or it doesn't always connect to those network shares that you want to. I do this all the time in the office. Whenever I log in, I need to connect to a a network share to be able to access the shared office files. And what Mountain does is it's a login item. You save it and it will open up in in your menu bar. And it will create specific rules for specific volumes or specific network shares. It says, you know, when I log in, access this, and then you can even set specific volumes, do not disconnect, or if it disconnects, automatically remount this volume. So if my Mac goes to sleep, as soon as my Mac wakes back up, it's going to automatically remount this. Um, And I've set a couple of volumes like that. Like, for example, my Drobo. If my Mac goes to sleep, it's going to automatically remount my Drobo when it wakes back up. Or when my Mac restarts, it's going to automatically mount my Drobo when it logs back in. And that just makes sure that the network connection is nice and clear and that I don't drop it. And it's only a couple of bucks. And this this has I've tried all other kinds of solutions, and Mountain is the one that has worked better than anything else. I never drop my network connection at work
1: anymore either. With the exception of Bartender, well, actually, there's a couple, but most of these are all in the App Store. If you just go look it up, you'll find them.
0: Yeah, Mountain actually isn't in the App Store anymore. It it is, but only for purposes of cross grading to their version. So I would just say, oh, really? yeah, okay. I would just say go ahead and just buy it direct from the developer. That's the link that I put in the show notes. All
1: right. So the next one is in the App Store. And it's called Drop Zone, and they they're up to version three now. And the um, you know, I talked earlier about using key uh, keyboard applications to save stuff to your Mac. Well, if you are going to do stuff with your mouse, Drop Zone is just a great little tool. It goes up in the menu bar and it allows you to create shortcuts to different places on your Mac and applications. So I could have a file and then, for instance, I could say, let's say I've got this work folder where I sort sort stuff. Um, I could drag a file onto Drop Zone and it's going to give me a list of locations and one of them will be this custom folder I have. And it knows that if I drop something on that one that I'm supposed to move the file there as opposed to copy it. So it's a it's a... It's just a great way to take a file and put it somewhere else in your Mac very quickly. And it does it all through the menu bar. And that's really cool. But they also have this thing called the drop bar where if you've got a file and let's say you work in full screen a lot like I do um, and you've got something in your desktop and you say, well, I want to put that in a blog post, but my Safari is open in a full screen in another window. I just drag it up to uh, drop zone and I just put it on the drop bar and it saves it there. And then I can flip over to the Safari window and drop it in or to the keynote or the iBooks author, or whatever I'm working in. And it just gives me a really nice, clean way to have uh, files available to me and to put files in other places uh, using my mouse.
0: Uh, I'm going to pick an all-purpose utility, and when something isn't quite working right on my Mac, this is probably the first tool that I pull out, and it's Onyx. It is it is free. It, this is the type of tool, though, any of these low-level system utilities, you want to make sure that you're running, I typically say, the most recent non-beta version and the correct version that matches your version of the OS. But it's one of these all-in-one utilities that will give you access to a lot of the... um the underlying Unix utilities that are built into your Mac, but that maybe aren't very user-friendly. It will allow you to do things like not only restore permission, but restore your user-level permissions. It will allow you to run maintenance scripts. It will allow you to clear caches. It will allow you to rebuild mailbox databases. It will allow you to uh, uh, rebuild your uh, launch databases. All of this and more, um, and you can either do these items one by one or you can select automation and just, you know, check off the ones that you want and let it run. And I typically find that whenever something a little bit wonky is going on with my Mac, um, more often than not, you know, running through that automation process with Onyx and, and checking off those boxes will do it. You know, it's one of those tools with Mac maintenance that, you know, it's, it's something that you typically don't need to do for a preventative maintenance standpoint, um, but something definitely a tool that I pull out when I'm having a problem.
1: Okay, so my next pick is PopClip. And you know how on iOS, when you select text, a lot in a lot of apps, it opens like a, a menu right above the text that gives you options to insert or copy or bold or do different things. So somebody had the idea of what if we brought that to the Mac? And it, when I first heard about it, I wasn't sure about it because I was thinking, well, that makes a lot of sense if you're working with your finger, but I'm not sure it makes sense if you're working with a mouse or a trackpad. Well, it turns out it does work. It actually works quite well. And PopClip is amazing because you can customize those list of things you can do with it. For instance, uh, sometimes I need to turn text into all caps for some of the stuff I do in my day job. I just select text with my mouse and there's a little button there that has, I think it says ABC in all caps and that, that tells me to make it all caps or I can make it all lowercase or I can take the selected text and make an OmniFocus task or I can take it and clean it with text soap or I can, you know, tweet it or there's all these different things you can do. A pop clip just gives you like a like a Swiss army knife for dealing with text anytime you select it with the trackpad or your mouse. And, and they've got, it, it, it upgrades from within the app. You can actually go to their website and download all these utilities. Our friend Brett Terpstra has contributed several himself. And uh, you could even Katie Floyd save it to Evernote. Like if you're an Evernote user, it's just really useful. And I know I love it because once in a while it stops loading for me for one reason or another. And I, I select text and I get angry because I can't immediately do the thing I wanted to do with that text. So uh, go check out PopClip. Once again, it's in the App Store as well. It's, I don't know how much it is because I bought it so long ago. You know how they don't tell it's you the price. It's a couple bucks, yeah. Yeah, it's five bucks. It's five bucks, but it, it's, you know what? It's absolutely worth it. Go try PopClip.
0: All right. Number 10, last one is a utility called Fruit Juice. And what this does is it, it helps you maintain good habits when it comes to your laptop's battery because you've probably been told. And if not, I will tell you that it is not good practice to keep your laptop plugged in all of the time. As Dave Hamilton would say, you want to keep the ions flowing. So you don't want to keep it plugged in all the time. You don't want to keep it run down all the time. And what Fruit Juice does is it gives you gentle reminders to say, Hey, you know, you, your your target for today, in fact, let me tell you what my target for today is. Uh, my target for today is to have my Mac unplugged for three hours and 15 minutes. And that target may change based on my usage of my Mac. But based on my previous usage, it recommends that my Mac be unplugged for three hours and 15 minutes today. So I'm going to, in fact, as we're done recording this podcast, I'm going to unplug my Mac and, and run with it unplugged for a while. And Fridge Juice will give me notifications to say, you're doing great. You've had it unplugged for a while. You need some more battery time. You've, you've had your Mac plugged in for, you know, 95% of the last two weeks. You really need some more battery time. Um, and it will give you warnings and say, Hey, you're doing great. You've, you've had your Mac unplugged for three hours and 15 minutes today. Plug in at your convenience. You're, you're good to go. And it, it's just a, think of it like a personal trainer for your Mac's battery. Um, And I have found a huge difference of using fruit juice and not, you know, for example, I, um, I had about a month where I was not going to class. And um, my Mac was pretty much stationary on my desk plugged in all the time. And that very first time I went to class again, my Mac didn't hardly make it through the first class. and I thought, what is going on? And after another couple of weeks of, of using fruit juice again and getting my back's battery back into shape, you know, I was I was good to go back to my normal battery time. And so it definitely can make a difference.
1: And if you're if you're listening to this show and and it may not be you, it may be somebody else in your family. Like I know my wife is really bad about just keeping her laptop plugged in 100 percent of the time. And this is a great app to install for that person in your life, because if they if you tell them, It'll make your battery better and it gives you very easy to follow instructions. They'll do it. It's not that hard to just unplug it while you're sitting there and then plug it back in later. Uh, Okay, well, hey, we made it through 10 and now what we're going to do is I'm going to make a text expander snippet that links MPU 238. I think you
0: should. Every time because someone <laughs> asks you for recommendations, because we get that email all the time.
1: Yeah, we do. And, you know, I had a lot of fun doing this show. It's even though I know we've covered some of this stuff before, there's just some really great apps. I love my Mac. That's all I'm going to. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. We love iOS too, but... I love my Mac. Um, all right, Katie Floyd, uh, where do you find show notes?
0: Uh, you can find links to everything we talked about, and there are a lot of links in this particular episode, good links in this episode, at our website at MacPowerusers.com or at five by five dot TV slash MPU.
1: Um, you can also send us feedback, the feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And you can find us on Twitter. We're um, at, at uh, MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd. I am at Mac Sparky. And remember, you can tweet us a question. Just put that hashtag AskMPU in it, and it will get to us.
0: Sounds great. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you all next week.